welcome to the You Podcast, your show about a small ticket entertainment. Every week we talk about news and technology that you might have missed, and every week we have a question of a very special movie. This week the genre is the post-apocalyptic movie, and we're talking about The Postman. Um, also, this is not going to be a full episode, but we're just going to do the audio review of The Postman. We'll catch up with a full episode probably next week or something, uh, which I think we'll be re- discussing counterfeiters with this German, German movie. How- how's it going, guys? Long time. It's going well. It's going very well. Um, yeah, I just want to start talking about the post and have a lot of things to uh, say. You can't wait. It's it's been burning <laughs> a hole in your. Uh, I, I can't wait after. Uh, you you've been saving up all of your frustrations for a couple of weeks just to let it go on Kevin Costner's career. How are you, Amit? How's it going with you? Not bad, not bad. Just recovering from a small hole, but everything is good. I think last time we we spoke, um, you were still uh, living the big life in Paris. Yes, yes, yes. Please, uh, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> So you're back in Brussels now, right? Yes, now I am. Okay, great. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. No, dude, the thing is, a lot of people probably no. I was going to say no. Uh, uh, probably, probably a lot of people think Brussels is exciting, but then mid-sentence, I thought no. Probably nobody thinks that. Okay. So this week, uh, or in the last few weeks, um, the book of Eli came out in 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 the cinema, and I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. Uh, watching the trailers, I got a very strong vibe of The Postman. Um, so I thought we usually talk about forgotten or underrated movies anyway. So let's let's all watch The Postman and talk about that and see if there's any similarities between a movie about a a, a post-apocalyptic future made in '97 and then one made in. 2010 pretty much 2009 and then just kind of comparing these two and how how world has changed and how how, how our vision has changed um how our vision toward the future has changed but um that could be a bit too deep even for the postman so um so um the um this movie was um came out in 1997 it was uh directed by kevin costner himself and it was kind of the Kevin Costner, he had a he had a great run in Hollywood. It started with uh, Dances with Wolves, and it pretty much ended with Postman. I think he was a very uh, I think a, he had a very large vision in a way that even um, Clint Eastwood does in a certain ex- uh, in a certain way, a cl- kind of classical filmmaking on a very very large epic scale. And um, I I just don't think that kind of movie making is as successful anymore or it doesn't work for people as much um but on the other hand you could say avatar is a very classic type of filmmaking too so um yeah anyway so we still think of kevin costner as a a star in a way um but when you look at his filmography he was only he his his limelight only lasted for three years which is not that long of a period in a sense and i think Waterworld really kind of killed his career, and Postman, Postman was maybe the last nail on his coffin, because he hasn't really been able to climb back since. I and thought he was amazing in Bodyguard, wasn't that afterwards? No, no, that was before. That was much. Was before. before? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, just after Dances with Wolves. Um, oh yeah, true, true, true. Part of his golden period. So uh, let me ask this question to Marty: um, Is this vision of the future with its body fathers and lack of Twitter and mul- Windows multitasking an interesting exercise in where we are headed, or has the world changed so much since '97 that the Postman doesn't hold up for you anymore? Um, I think, unfortunately, for the film, um, technology and humanity have just changed and changed one another. 
um, so greatly that uh, I actually didn't think that the, the vision of what happens when it all goes wrong, uh, when somebody bursts the bubble, um, I don't think that that held up, actually. Um, I mean, there were lots of things that are mentioned in the film that I also found to be inconsistent, but generally the, the notion that people will rise to power who will be religious fundamentalists or extremists who will kill black people, will kill non-white people, will only tolerate extremely Christian values. Um, people will be forced to live in basically very disparate small communities and hamlets and things. Uh, I don't think that's a very, I think it's a very positive um, vision of humanity for the future. Um, not least that humanity, A, descends so much that a situation arises where everything's wiped out. And we basically had to start from scratch, but also the way in which people behave after these uh, after these events. I also don't find to be a very uh, sort of positive statement about humanity as a whole. So I think that given that the the film doesn't have this sort of uh, dark undercurrent that a lot of um, future set films or, or, or post-apocalyptic films can have. Um, it, 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 it did disappoint me uh, on, on a very broad, on a very broad level. So, um, Ahmed, what, what did you think about uh, the Postman? Uh, the Postman, in general, as a film, I liked it. Uh, I saw how a lot of the symbolism was going on. In the sense, I saw it as he was a big symbol of hope. Just a small idea from a con artist that just got him somewhere far. He encountered the whole village. The village took. His whole, his whole symbolism, his everything he was bringing, and it just brought them close together and put them close enough that they can actually do something to affect them. And then also, I saw how him he affected. Uh, what's his name? The young kid. I actually forgot the name. Um, Ford uh, Mercury Lincoln. Lawrence State. Yeah, Lawrence State. Ford. Yeah, yeah Ford. Uh, how he really, really affected Ford's life, and he touched him, and because of that, that energy and that hope and that whole symbolism passed on from Ford to all his friends that were, uh, were, were, were exactly postmen as him. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good film. It just, uh, the only couple of things that I have against it is just, uh, after a couple of hours, I thought it really should have stopped. <laughs> a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. After, t I think two hours would have been like a perfect ending, but then the last hour it dragged on on some events that were really kind of pointless. I think that's uh, the, that's the kind of problem you get when you get a director and actor like Kevin Costner. He just indulges himself so much with yeah. every frame has Costner in it. And you wonder, is this, is this scene really that necessary? Does Costner again need to be in this, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and, and, and the other thing is, I did not appreciate how Costner is constantly trying to emotionally manipulate me. <laughs> No, seriously, you guys didn't feel that? Yeah, I mean, the thing with Costner is... <laughs> Come on, dude. Like, seriously. Like, I like the guy, man. I, revisiting the movie, I was like, man, they don't make these movies anymore, you know? Like, $80 million, it's not... I mean, it's still a big budget for now, you know? And back in 97, it, you could do a lot ah, that. was that. tremendous. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, it, 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 compare, 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 compare it with Waterworld, it's a, a, a much smaller budget. But um, it's such a grand scale s still, you know? There's no CGI. Um, they really, they're horseback riding. There's explosions that feel like real explosions. They're real stunts. Um, there's like these long shots of the landscape, which are really beautiful. Um, 
But yeah, he the the humor and the way um yeah the way he plays with emotions it's it's so on the nose it's so um tuneless to it um and uh, I was reading a review an old review by Roger Ebert and he pretty much, he calls it a corny dad kind of humor which makes Kevin Costner in a way lame but it makes him also kind of charming for a lot of people and in postman you have to be able and in postman you have, you have to be able to take a lot of kevin costner that's pretty much 3 hours of kevin costner that you're getting no but uh, he, he he tried hard he threw in a bit of everything from love to sex to fighting to giving hope to symbolism and the emotional manipulation and all that <laughs> I don't know. I, I in a, in general it was not bad and uh, of course I love uh, Giovanni's performance in the film. I just pretty much like that kid in anything. <laughs> Giovanni I don't know, Ribisi. did you like him in the film or not really? Uh yeah, Giovanni Ribisi, he's uh yeah. he had like uh, he didn't have such a big role I think in the Still, movie, but he like, yeah. He got into his role. Like, you know. Yeah, he's always he's always able to play a very shifty character, and he's he manages to do that really well in this movie too. So talented, <laughs> talented in his shiftiness. <laughs> um, so Marty, um, were there? I mean, my feelings is you weren't a, a huge fan of this movie to play. I mean, not to be too uh, harsh on it, but is that uh, am I getting the right vibe here? I mean, generally, generally, I didn't like the film. Um, Sort of irks me on a, on, a, on a lot of levels, but what I but what I would agree with you on is that it is, um, in some senses, a film that's made in a, a reasonably classic way. Um, so the thing, the things that were good, for example, are stuff like the cinematography is quite good. Um, um, I mean, technically, it's a it's a very nice movie. Technically, it's very nicely made, right? You can't yeah, disagree I mean, with that. The camera work, the scale, uh, also the Western setting. Because I yeah. think if we did and if we did end up destroying ourselves, which will probably happen in the next few years, <laughs> we will. 2012. <laughs> 2012. Um, <laughs> we will turn back into kind of a Western kind of feel, and that's a really strong feeling I had watching this movie. That we've turned into cowboys again. You know, um, we're riding on horses. We have like small um small villages that are kind of enclosed and you have this militia that goes from one place to the other and it pretty much seems like back in when when uh, the US started pretty much yeah that, that's pretty accurate but i think that that's very much in an american context which is which is fine cuz it's an american film set <laughs> yeah um but i think as we have already mentioned the way that technology and human beings have changed so much since 1997 just renders a lot of that, I think anyway, just um, just basically wrong or inappropriate. So something like Obama, for example, we have a, there's a black president in America that would that would have a huge impact on how people would feel and think about. See, 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 we have Obama as president, and that's why in Book of Eli, it's Denzel Washington shaving, saving the world and not Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing that a lot lately, even with, uh, what do you call it, uh, the last Jamie Foxx film, A Low Binding Citizen. Right. I, I haven't caught up with that movie yet. I haven't seen that either. The, uh, the Gerald Butler. Yeah. And I think if you look at, so, we, on, the, so on the one hand, you know, obviously we've had Obama and that's the... the a black president 
of the most powerful country in the world. So that obviously changes a lot of things in society. Um, and then at the same time, if you look at how technology impacts transport, cars, how people move, how people live, you would have you you would have cars because there will just be electric cars by the time the world uh, and so sorry solar powered cars things like that. So I think the, the the notion of you know people don't really have access to energy and, and things like that uh, that I, I just had a, a bit of a problem feeling. Um, Mm, that was also one thing I had. A question I was constantly asking myself is, why don't they just start rebuilding stuff? Um, yeah. They have engineers. Like the guy, the older dude who was a, a fighter plane dude or some, there were some scientists walking around, professors, and there were no really, there weren't any signs of uh, destruction. I mean, it wasn't like the ground was toxic or anything like that. So I don't really didn't understand why they didn't start building it up again, um, which they at the end then you see a few shots what they've been able to achieve by 2043, um, and um, they have uh, designer sports jackets again. But I, yeah, I was wondering why why aren't they just building stuff again up again? Because they have everything except the, the militia that's kind of um, forcing them for yeah. It was it was very odd. That there were just a few things, and I I didn't really understand how um, Kevin Costner, who was quite clearly playing a character in his forties, why was he the only person who knew about the Beatles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for example, there were there were just these very strange things that I I just just it just did not compute. It yeah. <laughs> Sort of illogical, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I just, I just didn't understand mm. when there were people older than him. Why, why didn't why... they talk about the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, 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 it was just sort of like it just was a bit sort of a bit self-contradictory, really. I, I think it's kind of how the humor was in the movie. It was, it was kind of walking a very thin line between being very corny and being unbelievably horrible. Um, and I know it kind of like, I like the corny humor sometimes, what you're saying about the Beatles and when he says, I'm a postman, I'm going to come in, but you need to lock down your dogs. And nobody got that joke even, you know. And I don't know if you're even supposed to get if it is a joke or not. But then it was... Uh, there were these other, um, there were juxtapositions with these other scenes of really horrible, horrible sentimentality. Especially that scene where the little blonde girl starts singing the Star Spangled Banner. Oh my god, I was about to throw my shoe at my uh, DVD player, man. I swear. <laughs> That moment did not work for me. And the other thing that I hated in this movie was the sex scene, I gotta say. I mean, <laughs> I love watching a sex scene or a love-making scene like any other man, but this one, I did not get what they were trying to convey. Um, so, Olivia Williams, who's playing a survivor in one of these little cities, um, she wants Kevin Costner to be her body father, which is you kind of like sleep with the woman to create a baby. I mean, I, I, you, you guys get the concept, right? Um, <laughs> I don't need to explain it. But um, so she's trying to convince Costner for like 30, 20, 30 minutes and then suddenly 
he decides to do it and get, get it on. And they film it in this very 90s, mid-90s, uh, Red Shoe Diaries kind of soft foreign lighting. And it just keeps going on for too long. And they're infusing this old school romance into it, but it's a very uncomfortable situation. Um, and I, it, that scene just irked me. I did not know why it was in there. And the third thing that I hated was Tom Petty. Um, why was he in this movie? <laughs> Does anybody know? Do you even know who Tom Petty still is? I mean, uh, personally, I do, but that's because I have a very wide range of taste <laughs> of music. But um, it was, I also agree with you, that was just weird. There was no benefit to the film, the plot, the story, by having him there. And if the only thing that he's going to say is, I know you, you were famous. Yeah. Again, that so gets, gets back to that corny humor I was talking about. <laughs> but also, why is Kevin, why is Kevin Costner the only Tom Petty is? Sorry, what? But why is Kevin Costner the only person who knows who Tom Petty is? <laughs> it, it, it's just really, really silly. Um, and, and obviously they give him the sort of, uh, the, the hippie-ish role of the, of the film. Um, because he's in charge of a place that doesn't allow guns in it. So, um, yeah, just, just very, very strange. And I, th- I think, unfortunately, you could, you could basically see where the whole film was going for, for, for most of it. Um, I, which, sorry, that, that, I mean, it was building towards a showdown between Will Patton and Kevin Costner. And that showdown was a complete disappointment for me. I felt the final fight. <laughs> have, have you have you do you guys watch Arrested Development back in the day? You know that scene when um, uh, Job and Michael are fighting, and the dad used to film them and sell those videos in Mexico. <laughs> I think it's backyard boys wrestling or something like that. That's yeah. what it felt like. The slow motion, they were kind of like fighting like two little boys on the floor rolling around. It's that fight. It, when the movie needed to be epic, it stopped being epic. And that's where I think it lost me also. No, but that's what I was trying to tell you guys about like, and uh, all the scenes you were talking about, they were trying so hard. Too much they were trying, and that was the result of it. Yeah, uh, Kevin Costner puts in a lot of effort, and I think it, it's good to put in a lot of effort. A lot of effort, but in this movie, it shows. Yeah, I, I thought there were just lots of uh, like it, it, just lots of just really unnecessary things, and I, I don't think they could have. I mean, if you're talking about the the climax of the film, there when obviously he makes his challenge, and and you know that he's been branded and the other guy doesn't really remember him and things like that. But you can you can spot so early on that the guy who had his balls cut off and his tongue cut out was going to uh was going to kill him. Yeah. Thinking about the the fight itself in particular. That was basically I mean what you're saying about rest development and the dad filming the two kids fighting. It was really just like a, a, a proper fight that you had in primary school. You would be in the playground, there would be two kids who were fighting each other. Surrounded by a group of people that are shouting. <laughs> and and in, in England, you would, all you would hear is just, fight, 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 fight until, uh, until a teacher came along and broke it all up. 
clipped somebody around the ear and sent them to the headmaster's office. <laughs> we should have maybe done with Kevin Costner. <laughs> we should have sent him to the principal's office. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of Will Patton, um, who plays like the villain in this movie? Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, the villain or the, the commander of the... Uh... Yeah, um, I think he... I, I really like Will Patton in, in most of his roles. He's he's kind of a poor man's Ed Harris in a way. <laughs> and I also think... Oh. <laughs> no, but I think if, mm-hmm. if Carson had a bigger budget, he would have gotten Ed Harris for that role and he would have gotten John Lithgow for um, the sheriff's role. Because I feel that guy that plays the sheriff, I, I wrote down his name, but I can't find it anymore. He's like a poor man's John Lithgow. Ah, well, you see, I would have done st- the stereotypical casting here, and I would have made Lithgow. Ah, the, the, bad, guy. the bad guy. Okay, okay. Because he plays the bad guy quite well. Okay. And uh, and I think if you had um, Ed Harris, I think that would have... Well, um, I don't really think he can do people who are just slightly evil. I don't think that's really Ed Harris's strong suit. Well, you have not uh, seen The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> ah, but there's, but there's redemption at the end of that. But dude, I think... In there's this redemption at the end of that, and there's no redemption. But I do think he has a he has a sort of humanity in him, you know, the way he um, when he's when when Costner st- starts talking about Shakespeare, it kind of brings him back to the life he was he had before. I think he's also he kind of said to Costner he, he used to be a, a copy salesman back in the yeah. day, um, and yeah. I think it did kind of ground him. But then the movie needed him to be this megalomaniac crazy dude. Uh, which I, I think maybe the character demands it to be, but I think Will Pan really did a good job to kind of still show his human side, and I think in a situation like that, you you do get misguided that you are a leader and people need you and you, you are doing the ro- right thing, and I, I've, I think we've seen a lot of that even after 97 with a lot of polit- politicians taking that stand about you have to do the right thing no matter what the consequences are. And I think Will Patton really makes me believe that he's one, one of those leaders that really believes he is doing the right thing and no matter what the cost and no matter what si- sacrifices have to be made. So, I mean, let's just to kind of throw open the, the conversation on uh, futuristic movies, I thought. Um, you can pretty much d- divide future movies in two genres, right? You have the post-apocalyptic movie, which is The Postman, Book of Eli, I Am Legend, Mad Max... And then you have uh, the dystopian future, which is movies like uh, V for Vendetta, iRobot, Minority Report, anything written by Philip K. Dick. Um, so, Ahmed, what kind of future movies do you kind of prefer watching? Or Oh, me, it has to be uh, absolutely the second type. I, I like them more. It brings more the child in me because when... Well, when we were all young, that's the kind of future I always saw. Even if it's a V for Vendetta, iRobot yeah. kind of dystopian future where we're completely controlled by society and, or even the island or Gattaca, for example. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And is that because of, I mean, the thing is, it kind of, the division between the two questions is how we, how we as a society deal with technology. One in one, we give up on technology, and or we don't have it, <laughs> or we are completely dominated by it. And it seems we can't seem to strike a balance, and that's what <laughs> our society in this day and age. The question is, what are we doing with technology, right? What do you think, Marty? I mean, I, I generally I don't like the post. I don't so much like the post-apocalyptic 
ones, but that's mainly because I don't think that there will be some kind of man-made apocalypse. <laughs> um, but I think there's, I think there's also a third genre of, uh, of futuristic films as well, which is basically just science fiction. Um, but those I don't necessarily like so much anyway. But the dystopian ones, I think the reason that they appeal or, or are successful is that we kind of have half a foot in that future anyway. And it's also something that people have warned us about, be it George Orwell or all the Suckley, for example. Um, you know, these, these two things, you know, the, those two, two writers basically just extend our existence forward and they take things that make them a little bit worse. So it's not something that happens after a huge disaster or, or anything like that, but it's just something that get, you know, our, our future and, our, and the, the freedoms that we have and that there are just, it's an accumulation of lots of little changes and then you just find yourself in this, uh, in this place. So, um, guys, how, how, I mean, so, um, you like, um, we, we both, uh, both of you guys like, uh, dystopian futures then. So, how, so, okay. But, well, not personally, but I don't mind but um, I mean, in a way, it's. It, it, I think post-apocalyptic movies like Postman are more um, based on hope that even if we lose everything we have, humanity will kind of get back on its feet again. Whereas dystopian futures is, we're we're in for a very 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 rough ride. <laughs> and I'm speaking specifically about movies like The Matrix um, or uh, Terminator 2, for example. Um, if we keep going the way we're going, we're in for a very rough ride, right? Why? Even that's the message with iRobot as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I, the thing is with iRobot, every time I speak about iRobot, I always think about the book and not the movie, which is super weird because I'm a huge Will Smith fan, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, in, even in post-apocalyptic movies, then how does this, how does Postman stand up to all of the other movies we've seen, are there things, are there movies that you prefer to revisiting this, or do you think this is a, this stands up as a good one? Personally, I, I don't think this necessarily stands up as a, in, in terms of a, of a vision anyway, um, possibly not. Um, but it seems you just basically don't agree with the premise. Yeah, generally, I yeah, generally I have a, <laughs> a problem with that. But if push came to shove, I guess I could see it happening. But I would like to think that we're a bit better than that. <laughs> so, but are there are there movies that, like in a post-apocalyptic genre that you prefer to this work now? Oh, um, in that sense, well, obviously the Terminator films. Okay. Um, but then they're not really so much about being in the dystopia, it's just about things inspired by a potentially dystopian future. Um, I wonder what Terminator 2 is actually yeah. Okay. It's post-apocalyptic actually, isn't it? It is. But, um, no, I, I mean, having also watched V for Vendetta recently, um, I thought that was yeah. a better film. Yeah, and actually, I thought it was a better scenario actually as well. Yeah, V for Vendetta is a very good That's film. an amazing film, man. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I, I love the genre. I like all future movies. I love, uh, I love I Am Legend, Mad Max, even in animation, Fist of North Star is also, uh, very post-apocalyptic future. I just kind of love these movies. Uh, what about you? I do, and in fact, yeah. I was just going to, I just mention yeah, sure, one thing? Sure. I was just going to say, I think the, uh, the shining example of, um, future film, be it, I don't really remember whether it's post-apocalyptic or, um, whether it's slightly dystopian, but, uh, Akira, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I think, but I think there has been a world war. Yeah, there um, has been. No, there's so, been a, but, yeah. I think there's been a bombing in Tokyo or something like that. I don't know about a world war. Um, but. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> But, but that would be my, you know, pretty much my favorite. What about you, Ahmed? Any future movies that you kind of like, and how does uh, Postman stack up to those? Uh, I don't like these kind of genres that much, but if I were to have a favorite, uh, it would definitely be Mad Max. I'm a huge Mel Gibson fan and Mad Max fan. Uh, I would take it any time over that, and... Uh, the amazing thing about Mad Max is not three hours, yeah. Yeah, I think they just announced the um, the cast for the reboot of Mad Max um, yeah. a couple of days ago. I think it's going to be Nick Holt from uh, Skins. Yeah. That's going to be playing Mad Max, and it's supposed really? to really, yeah, it's supposed to be a sequel, not a prequel. So it could be interesting. Let's hope so. And speaking of Mad Max, I think also Edge of Darkness just came out, the new Mel Gibson movie, which... Uh, really? Yeah, which I'm very excited about. It's been getting rave reviews to it. Yeah, I need to check that out. Marty, you yeah. probably... I don't know, do you have any uh, moral problems with uh, Mel Gibson and his movies? No, not, not particularly. I mean, I don't think I've consciously seen a Mel Gibson produced and made film recently, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's been a that's while. Not, that's, but that's not through me choosing not to. It's just, it's just a coincidence. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I mean, he has uh, crept behind the camera for a couple of years now. He did um, Apocalypto, which was amazing. Uh, Passion of Christ was before that, I yeah. think, which I haven't watched. Um, really? No, I've never watched that movie. How come? Um, I don't know. When, when, it, when it came out, there was just so much hype about it that I couldn't watch it without kind of detaching myself from the hype and kind of be very biased before I get into the movie. And afterwards, it was just never a movie that the the subject of it never really appealed to me, per se. I mean, I, I feel there's a lot more to Jesus' story than just the, the last few days. But I, I maybe, I mean, it's, it's a very successful movie, so I... I think it brings a lot to a lot of people, but I, I just don't think it's going to be effective for me. Although I do think um, Mel Gibson is a very, very talented filmmaker. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He was very, very uh, visual, and he just like made you really, really be there and feel everything that went through. Yeah. That's his talent in that film. It, it was it's really worth checking out. You should. He does have a f- weird fascination in general with torture and pain. Yeah. Um, Mel Gibson, I think in pretty much a lot of his movies, there's or a torture scene, or I mean, there's Braveheart, there's conspiracy theory, there's uh, um, uh, Ransom. Uh, For, forget all of these. Payback. The one with Lou. Sorry. Uh, the one Lucy Lou. Payback, right? Oh my payback. God, that was awesome. Payback. <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually, Payback's very interesting because it came out, and then I think. Uh, a director's cut, cut came out a couple of years later, which was even more gruesome. And uh, it's a really good movie. So people who have watched the original Payback 
Oh, not the original payback, because that was with the... Um, who was that? With Lee Marvin. Yeah, Lee Marvin, obviously. Lee Marvin. Um, but I mean, the first version of uh, Mel Gibson's payback, and uh, we're maybe slightly underwhelmed, should revisit the director's cut, definitely. It's a really good movie that still stands up. And I haven't seen the director's cut, actually. Yeah, you should, you should. It's... Uh, I think I'll do that because I I saw I saw the opening of it recently on TV right. and it just reminded me of how confused and rubbish I thought it was. Yeah. So, de- so maybe watch the uh, director's cut could be uh, could be a lot better. Oh, it's very good. It's very good. Um, so yeah, guys. Um, any final thoughts on the the postman? Um, anything you learned or anything uh, when when people should watch this movie or not? Um, Amit, maybe you can go first. Oh, it's um, it's a movie worth checking out. It's just the only thing you just have to commit to it time-wise. That's all. Okay, because it, it's uh, pretty long, right? It's three, yeah. almost three, three hours. Three hours long. Yeah. Um, Marty, any final thoughts? I mean, personally, this is not a good film. Um, <laughs> oh. No, it's really not. There's, there's not really there's anything that's reasonably good about it. Is um, nowhere near enough to make up for all of the other shortcomings that the film has. It's too long, the dialogue is pretty bad, uh, it's pretty cheesy and corny. Um, I mean, you could go on and on, but it's it's really not good. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, um, and I would... Give it maybe one out of five. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's pretty harsh, man. <laughs> um, me, I would say, if you if you have a lot of time, if you have a lazy Sunday afternoon when it's raining outside, and you can take Kevin Costner, you appreciate his charm, and you can take a lot of nine, uh, mid-90s corny humor, uh, watch this movie because it's really well made. Um, it looks beautiful, um, but it is... It is long. It's very indulgent of Kevin Costner. Um, I was reading a few online reviews when it came out, and I think one of the reviewers compared this movie as a big, uh, loving Labrador um, that kind of sits in, the, in your lap and licks your face and is, like, super uh, happy and funny and well inte- with well-meaning intentions. But the question that you need to ask yourself is, um, do you like dogs? Like dogs. Thanks. What? Yeah, dogs. Dogs. Like that. Oh, dogs. Sure. Oh, thanks. I like caravans more. And that's what this movie is about. <laughs> I can completely see that comparison. <laughs> so, yeah, it depends if you like Labradors. Do you like dogs? Watch this movie. <laughs> so, okay, guys. Um, th- I think that's it, right? Or, or, unless you guys want to add anything else? No, I think that was... I think that was pretty good. I didn't really release all the file that I had built up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, next week um, we'll be reviewing Counterfeiters, which is a German movie from I don't know when. But um, and it will it will be again a full episode, so we'll have underwhelming Trinity and Stat of the Week. Until then, you can always follow us on Twitter or on uh, our website, uh, which is upodcasting.com. Uh, you can subscribe on I- iTunes, and I leave you with the beats of DJ Iron.
Why would anybody go and watch that? 